It's 835, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. June is winding down. Always my favorite month. Wish every year month of the year could be June. And uh, Summerfest has started. I understand yesterday a little bit wet, but I think they still had lots of people that were down there. Hopefully the Big Bang fireworks will go off tonight. Lots of natural fireworks last night as well. Um, quite a lightning show. Quite a lot of thunder. And hope you survived the big storm. you got to wonder, does Milwaukee Police Chief Ed Flynn ever regret the really stupid things that he says? I mean, is there any sort of of remorse at all? You see, most people, if you're out in public and you say something really, really dumb, and it's exposed as being really, really dumb, you sit there and think, boy, I shouldn't have said that. You wonder, does Flynn just kind of blast ahead, or is there any introspection? I refer, of course, to his comments at this community meeting where everybody's sitting around singing Kumbaya, saying we need to to have the police stop being crime solvers and, and be more like problem solvers, and let's... Let's let's identify the drug dealers and the gangsters and let's bring them in and sit around and we'll 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 tell them that we're watching them and we'll encourage them to stop. And I, I mean, I guess I don't have a problem with it, but that's not really where most police resources should be put. But anyhow, at this meeting, Flynn decides to erp up his theory on why you have violent crime in Milwaukee. And it's, you know what he blames? He doesn't blame the Milwaukee County court system and the catch-and-release policy, doesn't believe blame the breakdown in social conditions. He says it's, again, concealed carry permit holders. So all those of you who have legally obtained a concealed carry permit, well, it's this law passed by, in his opinion, irresponsible politicians um, who are less concerned with public good and more concerned with trying to appease certain constituencies. And he says this with a straight face, and nobody challenges it. Well, actually, that's not true. The head of the Milwaukee Police Commission says, do you have any evidence at all to support this cockamamie theory? And Flynn says, well, you know, I'm not able to disclose any of this. It's sort of like you almost can picture Captain Quig sitting at the Kane Mutiny, the, the movie, like shaking his, you know, rolling these marbles in his hands, just talking about who did the strawberries. Well, all right, every day that goes by makes the Flynn theory even more ridiculous. Here's the latest story. Um, one of two men wounded in a double shooting on Milwaukee's northwest side Wednesday morning has died. The shootings came as police identified a man who was fatally shot on Tuesday afternoon. 19-year-old guy was shot along with a 21-year-old man shortly after 9 a.m. in the 5600 block of North 94th Street. The other remained hospitalized with serious injuries. They believe the shootings were robbery-related and were searching for, wait for it, a known suspect. A man, fat, man fatally shot by an assailant in a passing vehicle shortly after 3 p.m. Tuesday in the 3300 block of West Center was identified poli- by police as a 32-year-old man. Police were seeking suspects in his killing. He was shot five blocks from where a 16-year-old boy was fatally shot after 6.30 p.m. Sunday in the 3800 block of West Center Street. No arrests have been made. Um, the Wednesday morning shootings bring the total number of people shot in Milwaukee since Sunday to nine, including six Monday and Tuesday. All right. News flash for the police chief. I am willing to bet that when you apprehend the people responsible for the shootings, not one of them will have had a concealed carry permit. Not one of them will have had a concealed carry permit. And I'm willing to bet also that not one of them will be carrying or using a firearm that they obtained from a concealed carry user 
who was acting as sort of a beard or, hey, I'm going to get the concealed carry permit. I'm going to walk around legally with the gun so I can give it to my gangbanger friend to use it in a shooting. It is just delusional to advance the theory that the police chief was and every day proves it more and more ridiculous. Okay, we start off today's show like we start off every show. Three big things. Big story number one, the Brandon Dassey case continues. Brendan Dassey, of course, the nephew of Stephen Avery, the sort of self-proclaimed, well, depending on your view, I view him as a brutal murderer. Some people believe that he is a man unjustly accused and the subject of this documentary called Making a Murderer. Brendan Dassey, his nephew, who confessed in graphic detail to his role in the murder of Teresa Halbach. Brendan Dassey, and I think everybody remembers the story by now, convicted based in large part on a confession he gave. State courts, case was reviewed by the state courts. They said no problem. It went over to the federal courts on what is known as a petition of habeas corpus, alleging that its federal constitutional rights had been violated. A magistrate judge in Milwaukee bought into the argument, saying that his will had been overborne um, by tactics used by the investigators when he issued a confession. Um ordered the confession thrown out, said the state has to either retry him or release him. The state appealed the decision, and last week, and I admit I was kind of surprised by this because I think the magistrate's decision is completely out to lunch, a three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit, by a two-to-one vote, um, agreed with the magistrate and said, yep, we, we think this confession needs to be thrown out. We talked to the Attorney General of the state of Wisconsin last week, and he said, well, they're they're not going to let it go with this. They're going to appeal. They're either going to ask the entire Seventh Circuit to hear the case, what is known as en banc, which means instead of a three-judge panel, they all, all the sitting judges, and I believe there's nine active judges now, they would all ask to hear the case. They don't have to do, the judges don't have to agree to it, but I think they probably will. The other alternative is to appeal this case directly to the U.S. Supreme Court. In any event... The lawyers for Dassey, after winning this this panel decision, come in and say, hey, we want him released. He should be able to get bail. You should let him out of prison, put him back out on the streets. Um, If the state wants to appeal, okay, that's fine. But right now, the confession's been tossed out. You should not keep him in jail. Uh, The state says, wait a second. We are pursuing the appeals. Um, Here is a man who has been convicted in front of a jury of, of murder. And, he, you know, he's a flight risk. He's a danger. Don't let him out. Late yesterday afternoon, the Seventh Circuit, without explanation, denied any requests for bail for Brendan Dassey. And so he will remain in prison while the appeals process works its way through. So while the state, first of all, asks for its rehearing in bonk, assuming they do that, and then appeal to the Supreme Court, until there is a final decision, um, he will stay in prison. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, some are suggesting this is appalling. We we have to free Brandon. He's unjustly convicted. A court, by two-to-one vote, has found that his confession was improperly obtained. How can you keep an innocent man in prison? I say, good. Keep him in prison until and unless this case is ultimately resolved. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this a grave injustice that Brendan Dassey remains in prison while the appeal process works its way out? 414-799-1620, we discuss next. It's 842, this is Jeff Wagner.
It's 846, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. That is Guster performing tonight at the Eline Warehouse, 10 o'clock. It is day two of Summerfest. Uh, Toto, hmm, Toto performing at the BMO Harris Pavilion. Um, interesting. Uh, let's see. Luke Bryan, of course, is the performer at the uh, amphitheater, the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. Getting used to saying that. All right. Uh, 414-799-1620. is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. couple texts suggesting that Brendan Dassey should be out. The confession was manipulated. Well, all right. Two, two federal judges out of three said, yes, they, they believe that to be the case. Um, I think there is a serious legal question as to whether a majority of the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals would agree or whether the Supreme Court would agree. But the bottom line of this is you have a man who has been by who admitted to being involved in a brutal, brutal murder. And he was convicted by a jury of that brutal murder. Um, so he is now sitting in prison. It may very well be that somebody decides that, okay, the tec- techniques that the investigators used cross state a line. I mean, maybe that's what they're ultimately going to decide. I Ultimately, I don't think so, but, I mean, I've been wrong before, so maybe I'm wrong. But here's the bottom line of this. I mean, if you leave him in prison while the appeal is pending, all right, uh, other than the fact that, you know, he's going to have to spend a couple more months in prison – having been convicted of this horrible offense, that's that's unfortunate for him. But if you release somebody who has been convicted of doing what he did and put him back in society, and it turns out that, uh, again, a majority of the Court of Appeals or the U.S. Supreme Court disagree with this lower court ruling and agree with the jury and agree with the state court that Brendan Dassey is guilty, you put a murderer back out on the street. And I just don't think you can do that. Um, Andy in Waukesha writes, I have a hard time believing the only reason why he was convicted was the confession. There are supporting facts as to why he was convicted, and he absolutely should never be released, even if they do throw out the conviction. Um, Well, the truth is, I mean, I remember watching that trial, and the, the confession was a large part of it because the, the confession is very, very detailed. It contains information that I, I think probably only somebody who had been involved in the murder would have, have known about. And ultimately, like I say, I think it's going to end up being sustained. But in the interim, he clearly, clearly, clearly should remain in prison. And again, if ultimately the state's put in a position of having to try to figure out if they can retry him and there's enough evidence to retry him without his confession, okay, fine, then they have to you know, reach that point. But given the fact that he's been convicted of this brutal crime, he belongs in prison unless and until ultimately the appeals process is completely exhausted. The Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, the panel got it really wrong last week, but I think they got this one right. Leave him in prison until and unless the conviction is affir- is either affirmed or tossed out once and for all. That's big story number one. Big story number two. And this is perhaps the least surprising story of the day. And credit to the Journal Sentinel. The Journal Sentinel has been all over this. The Milwaukee County pension system remains a laughingstock of national pension systems. Now, look, I, I understand that pension calculations are difficult, but that's why 
you have actuaries. You have people that spend their entire lives trying to figure out, all right, how much money is somebody entitled to? And they're actually pretty good at that because I know maybe you're getting a pension. Maybe you expect to get a pension. You know, every year I get notices from – I have – Little when, when I hit a certain age, I'll have a little pension coming from the previous incarnation of this company, Journal Broadcast, when they still had a pension. I, I think my late wife, I'm entitled to a small pension. But, I mean, I, I get the calculations. And, you know, every year they send me this notice or every couple of years saying, okay, this is how funded the pension plan is, and this is what you are entitled to when you hit X age. This is how much it's going to be. And, you know, they have really smart people who calculate these types of things. And for the vast majority of people who are collecting pensions it it goes smoothly now sometimes there's issues if the pension plan is underfunded and the pension plan ends up underwater and they have to start figuring out how are we going to try to salvage this that's going on with the teamsters pension now but in general just the do the math the idea of trying to figure out how much people are owed and how much they should get it's not rocket science it is beyond my capabilities, but I'm not an actuary. It's not what I do for a living. It's not what I've been trained to do. But if you are a responsible pension fund manager, that's what you hire people who understand what they're doing. Well, we know in Milwaukee County that hasn't been the case. Now, I'm not even talking about the pension scandal, the fact that you have this program that was passed where you have certain public employees that are able to, I don't know, retire, get a million dollars in a cash payout, and still get sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year in a pension plan. I'm not even talking about the outrage of that. I'm just talking about the inability of the pension system to pay people properly. Now, there's been stories, of course, in the past where people have been overpaid or underpaid for years, how it's been called to the attention of pension officials, and they haven't even bothered to correct it, leaving, again, the pension plan in a situation where you either have to go back and try to I don't know, collect thousands of dollars from people who've got it and spent the money and have probably gotten it in reasonably good faith. Hey, I mean, if the pension – look, I, I, if Journal Broadcast Group, the company that I used to work for, you know, if, if they say, okay, this is how we've calculated, you're supposed to get X amount of dollars a month, I, I mean, I really don't know – whether they're right or they're wrong. I am trusting them to be accurate in this amount, but the amount they give me sends about right. Well, anyhow, there's a new audit, an independent audit, that's been going on with the Milwaukee County pension system, and according to the Journal Sentinel, it's uncovered errors and past calculations of monthly benefit payments everywhere it is looking so far. Auditors from Baker Tilly checked several groups of benefit payments amounting to just 7% of the retirees. So right now there's 60, um, 8,200 people receiving monthly checks. So they're, they're doing the survey. They look at 584. They found mistakes, not in 1%, not in 5%, not in 10%. They found mistakes in most of the pension calculations, most of them. In other words, more incorrect payments than correct payments. Now, uh, again, in some cases, the in the majority of cases, to be fair, the incorrect payments are often small amounts of money. You know, so you're not talking about hundreds or even tens uh, of dollars. But the auditors found up to $400,000 in total overpayments to several people receiving disability benefits. They confirmed a separate 132 
$1,000 overpayment to a surviving family member of a deceased retiree, and they went one after another, found 54% of benefit calculations to a certain random sample of retirees were likely incorrect. Overpayments to those individuals amounted to $2,800. Now, I understand in the scheme of things, in some cases, $132,000 is obviously a lot of money. $2,800 is not necessarily that much money. But the point is, it's wrong. They, they're, they're wrong. They're wrong in most of the pension calculations. If this were the private sector, you would not stand for this. This would not happen in the private sector. You don't hear these stories. Well, you'll hear a story occasionally about, hey, there was a mistake in somebody's pension payment or whatever, but the Milwaukee County pension system can't apparently get anything right. Look, there's no way that the Clown Car Act that is Milwaukee County should be involved in trying to implement a pension system. It is very clear that they are not able to do it. Now, the easy and obvious answer is for the state to take over the county pension system. Now, I understand if you are somebody who is in the state's pension system, you're, you're immediately raising up your hands and saying, look, why Why do we want to buy into this? Why do we want Milwaukee County's problems? Our system is relatively, actually extremely well run. Why do we want to inherit this mess of a system? Don't saddle us with this. And that is a legitimate concern. But the truth of the matter is, for Milwaukee County retirees, you are not being well served. The people that are running the pension system don't know what they are doing. And that is evidenced by the fact that, again, most of the pension payments are wrong. How can this possibly be? Oh, wait, I know. It's Milwaukee County. Big story number three is coming up. Um, The poll numbers are out. Good for Scott Walker. Not as good for Donald Trump. Do we believe him? And then just a little bit later on, if you're tired of working, if you want to retire, if you want your chance to jump on the legal lottery train, I have the case for you. Stick around. It's 856. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Ratner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, yesterday the Marquette University Law School poll is released. Um, Historically, we've referred to that as the gold standard of polls, but um, they've been getting it wrong lately. The last election they missed, just like a number of other pollsters missed as well. So you, you, you look at one result after another, and you recognize that polls are having a tough time being accurate. Uh, most recent example, the Georgia special election, where the Democrats threw everything but the kitchen sink at trying to pick up that uh, congressional seat. Most of the polls leading up to the election saw the Democrat winning. Democrat lost by four points. So, again, the, the polls got it wrong. Now, the pollsters would say, well, yeah, we had, we all had him leading, but it was in the mar- within the margin of error, so cut us uh, some slack. Well, it, it just seems more and more apparent that the, these polls are... And the pollsters, whatever they are doing, they're having trouble accurately measuring the sentiment of the electorate. In any event, the numbers come out yesterday. Clearly good news for Governor Walker. His his approval rating, really since he launched what was his ill-fated bid for president uh, back in 2015, his approval rating has been underwater. What that means is, and again, you, you, if you believe the polls, um, it, the, his approval rating was that more people disapprove than approve. Governor Walker has always been a somewhat controversial figure, 
But uh, bottom line is going into uh, elections, and he is getting ready to, as soon as the budget is done, if the budget is ever done, he's going to announce that he's running for governor for a third term as governor. Um, but his, his poll standing is actually the best it has been since, uh, again, I want to say the spring of 2015. Uh, new polls show that his approval rating is 48%. His disapproval rating is 48% as well. But he is back to even, and that is very good news for the governor. Again, even even if his poll ratings were like 43 44%, uh, Scott Walker showed an incredible ability to win elections. So if you believe the polls... He is positioned well, and I think his number is actually going to do nothing but but continue to rise. There's really no serious Democratic challengers. I understand the state senator, Kathleen Vinet, announced that she's going to run. Um, fine, let her run. Um, she's not going to pose a serious threat to Governor Walker. The more interesting numbers out of the polls is that Donald Trump in Wisconsin continues to be significantly underwater. Um, his approval rating is 41%. His disapproval rating is 51%. 85% of Republicans approve. Only 3% of Democrats approve. A, a clear um, real schism in that. Trump is more popular in the Green Bay TV market, which includes Appleton. Um, that's the one area of the state where his approval rating exceeds his disapproval rating. Um, also, uh, northern and western Wisconsin, but southeastern Wisconsin, and of course in Madison, he, he's not doing anywhere near as well. So some people are pointing to this 41% number and saying, see, you know, people are just unhappy with Trump. The Trump administration is a failure. Our number is 414 799 1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, there's really two aspects of the story. First of all, um, do you believe these poll numbers? And secondly, does it really matter? At this point in, in time, do we need to be poll driven? My belief is the people that voted for Donald Trump to be president believe in Donald Trump. They want Donald Trump to implement change after the last four or eight years of Barack Obama. And they're, they're willing to accept some of the things that maybe some people don't like about Trump um, because they believe that Trump is going to be that agent of change. Should Trump change his policies? Should he change his practices? Should he start doing things differently because of poll numbers like this? And the Wisconsin poll numbers are consistent with poll numbers in a lot of other states. Do you want to see Trump change the way he does business? Or does he just is his way of succeeding to just kind of put his head down, continue to blast away as he has been doing. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. At this point in time, I think it would be a huge, huge mistake for the president to decide to change course because, oh my goodness, I was elected in November. I took office in January. It's June of that next year, and my, my poll numbers aren't great. I just think it would be completely wrong to decide to change what he has been doing. I think, agree with him or disagree with him, Donald Trump was elected to bring about change, and I think that's what Trump supporters want to see. 414-799-1620. You want to see him change course. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is big story number three, the new poll numbers in Wisconsin. It's 913, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Girl, you make my speakers go boom, boom. 
Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. That's Luke Bryan, who's playing at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. It is day two of Summerfest. Gates open up at noon. Our very own Scafidi and Billstat, John McCure, all broadcasting live from there. Um, as they wrap up their six-game road trip, which is not going well, the Brewers will look to take the finale in Cincinnati. Jeff and Lane hit the airwaves with our coverage from Great American Ballpark, 535 tonight, sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. You, you hope that... The wheels aren't starting to come off. Um, you know, objectively, you could make the argument that the Brewers have overachieved, and I understand they're still in first place, two games over 500. That's as much a reflection of the fact that the National League Central is not very good this year. Um, but start to, again, the, these losses are starting to mount up, but, you know, maybe they can turn it around, and the opportunity starts tonight. Our coverage is at 535 this evening. Hondo, who's producing the show today, and always, I was telling him, I, I pulled a muscle in my back or something. I don't, somehow... Somehow between last night and this morning, I have pulled a muscle in my back, and I, I don't even have a good story as to how I did it. I, I just, it's, you know, it, it's like there, there was absolutely nothing spectacular that, uh, you know, was involved. I mean, I was sitting in a chair in a restaurant. I was sitting on a couch. I was driving the car. Um, I was sleeping. I took the dog out for a walk. I don't know how I have done this, but uh, we will endeavor to persevere. The mark, and coming up in probably less than eight minutes or so, if you want to quit your job, and you want to barnacle on to a, a lawsuit that, that might just, I don't know, change your life, stick around. We're going to talk about that in just a couple minutes. Um, yesterday, the Marquette University Law School poll comes out. Good news for Scott Walker, 48% approval rating, uh, 48% disapproval rating. But Walker has always been in that kind of range. And, you know, typically... If you're an incumbent, you, you want to see your numbers at 50% or above. But, you know, Walker was in the 30s a while back. And so I, I think this shows that the farther he gets from the presidential campaign that really kind of took him out of Wisconsin, the more and more people like what Scott Walker is doing. In addition, the, the budget that he has submitted and the budget that will ultimately pass, be passed sooner or later by Republicans once the Senate Assembly leaders decide to, to get off their high horse and just get the people's work done, once that budget passes, I think it's going to be an extremely popular budget. Um, there's going to be money for road work. What's going to happen in addition is it's going to um, put money back into the schools. All um, all, all good sort of stuff. So, um his popularity, I think, is only going to increase. He's well on the way to re-election for a third term. Um, Donald Trump, much more problematic. Donald Trump poll numbers at 41 percent, disapproval rating at thir- at 51 percent. And so the question becomes, do you, you know, do you have to change gears? Do you, you know, reverse where you're going? Um, on our text line, let's see, a texter, southeastern Wisconsin, where the majority of people live, will always be pro-Democrats. So polls showing overall state numbers against Trump uh, doesn't bother me. Well, there there is that factor, and Trump is very, very popular in the northern part of our listening area and in other parts of the state. The parts of the state that elected Donald Trump continue to support Donald Trump, and you know that's just the reality that ends up out there. Like, here, here's my opinion of this. The worst thing that could happen would be for President Trump to abandon the course that he has charted. Now, I personally would love to see President Trump dial back some of the stuff, the, the thin-skinned Twitters, tweets at 3 o'clock in the morning, that I think are what I describe as being style rather than substance that is off-putting. But if you look at a lot of the policies that are you know, advancing, I think in general, just like Ronald Reagan, people forget about this, when Reagan was first elected in 1980, 
um, the first year, year and a half of his presidency, his poll numbers were terrible, absolutely terrible. They talked about, you know, these economic plans, and, and there was all this talk about, oh, Reagan's going to be a one-term president. Well, okay, a couple years later, people see what the president is doing. They recognize that what President Reagan was doing worked, and the result is he wins, I think, what every state except Minnesota. Walter Mondale was his opponent, was from Minnesota. You know, it was an amazing electoral college landslide victory. I'm not necessarily predicting that the same thing is going to happen with Trump, but, 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 you know, if you have an ideological course and you want to set out, you want to chart it, you've got to stay the course and the polls be damned. On our text line, Mark writes, Trump should stay the course. Polls had him at the bottom until Election Day. Translated, Trump is doing a great job. Unfortunately, it is still unpopular to support Trump in public. Um, well, you know, there there is an element of that as well. I think one of the reasons that the pollsters in the election got it, quote unquote, so wrong is that there were a lot of people who just didn't want to acknowledge that they were Trump supporters. And as a result, the, the, the Trump support, when people go into the ballot box and they cast the vote, it was underreported in the polls. I think that is probably still going on now because, at least in the mainstream media, if you turn on most of the TV channels, it is so unpopular to be a Trump supporter. The reality is I think there's a lot more broad-based support for him out there than people are understanding. And, again, the, these poll numbers, you look at a 41% approval rating, that is not good. I actually think that it is very, very misleading, and I think the president would be making a huge, huge mistake to change course. Okay, coming up in less than three minutes, if you're tired of working, you want to retire, you want to barnacle on to a lawsuit, I have the lawsuit for you. We're going to discuss. Stick around. It's 922. This is Jeff Wagner. I hear the drums echoing tonight. She has only whispers of some quiet it's 9:24. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I can name that band in three notes. That is Toto. They are performing at the BMO Harris Pavilion, 9:45 this evening. It is day two of Summerfest. Check them out. All right. Now, Hondo, who is producing the show today, you, I know, I know that you patronize this particular place. So this. This may be your chance to give up all the glamour of producing a radio show and, and take off. I know because a year or so ago, as a gift, you gave me a gift card to Dunkin' Donuts. All right, which I now I happen I happen to like Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I actually happen to like Dunkin' Donuts coffee, uh, coffee and their donuts. I, I've never I just I'm going to take myself out of this lawsuit right now. I've never I've never had one of their breakfast sandwiches. I mean, when I there's a Dunkin' Donuts kind of right down the street from where I live, and I'll go in, I'll get a cup of coffee, I'll get like a donut to go. I, I've never had one of their breakfast sandwiches, so I cannot participate in this class lawsuit. But Dunkin' Donuts is now being sued over their steak and egg sandwiches. So if you have ever patronized Dunkin' Donuts, you might want to pay attention to this because if this if if this lawsuit gains class action status, you too could could sue and try to win the legal lottery. Here is the deal. Woman files a lawsuit in New York this week. I actually I'm looking at a copy of the 40-page lawsuit. Now, you might say, how can you file a 40-page lawsuit against Dunkin' Donuts? Did she walk in? Did she fall? Did the roof collapse on her? What happened? No, no, no. Her lawsuit is about the Dunkin' Donuts 
steak and egg sandwiches. She claims that Dunkin' Donuts, which is based in Canton, Ohio, Dunkin' Donuts is illegally, they're guilty of false, deceptive, and misleading advertising because they are marketing steak and egg sandwiches. And the steak and egg sandwiches are actually made of ground beef, not steak. Um, It's Angus steak, not steak, as the term is defied under the law. So apparently, you know, you have these steak and egg sandwiches that they they sell. And you see all the advertising and the marketing campaign. And so her argument is you are led to believe that this is, in fact, Angus steak. Well, as it turns out, the steak and egg breakfast sandwich is Angus beef. But there is, according to the lawsuit, there's a difference between Angus beef, which is a beef patty, and Angus steak, which would be like the steak, the Angus steak that you might order in a restaurant or that you might get in the meat counter. So she is alleging that because this is an Angus beef patty, as opposed to an actual like steak, like a flank steak, that customers are being deceived. She wants monetary damages and an order banning Dunkin' Donuts from describing, labeling, marketing, and promoting its products as containing steak when they actually contain Angus beef as opposed to Angus steak. And she wants money, and she wants a class action lawsuit, so anybody who might have purchased a breakfast sandwich would be able to get some form of compensation. All right. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I admit I'm I'm not, I'm not, I've never had one of these, so I am not party to the lawsuit, but it's marketed as a steak and egg sandwich. It, instead of being like flank steak or a New York strip steak or a ribeye steak, it is actually an Angus beef patty as opposed to steak. And she's saying, well, it's a difference, and it is deceiving people. And theoretically, I would have just ordered, like, the the bacon and egg breakfast sandwich were it not for this ad campaign where people say that they are steak lovers. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, is this the golden ticket? Should people, I mean, is this the fault, the flaw that we have found with Dunkin' Donuts that people are going to be able to now collect big money and retire or is this, well, silly? Let's start with John in West Dallas. John, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, if, if you ever ordered one of these steak and egg sandwiches, are you distraught? Do you feel ripped off because it turns out to be, well, a beef patty as opposed to like a New York strip steak? No, not at all. Hasn't the, uh, the woman ever heard of a chuck steak? We grind chuck and make patties out of it, and it's a, the part of the... The cattle, at the Angus cattle, is the shoulder, and it's chuck. We cut chuck steaks, we grind the chuck, and we make patties out of them. So I don't think she has a gripe, to be honest with you. <laughs> right. That, well, all, right. I mean, I guess, I mean, I don't know. If I were to have bought, purchased one of these breakfast sandwiches, I guess I, I am assuming, I am assuming that it is beef. I'm not, I'm probably assuming that it's Angus beef. I'm not necessarily assuming that this is like some $35 New York strip steak cut. I mean, otherwise, I, I mean, that's just what not, not what I'm expecting I'm going to get when I go into Dunkin' Donuts. Exactly, but it's a lot easier to chew. 
Um, right, but right. No, thanks for calling. Well, that see, and that's what that's what they that's what they say. They say, okay, this is ang- it's a beef patty, and then they have a marinade, and then there's all sorts of other stuff. I mean, in anticipation of this topic, I actually reviewed the whole list of ingredients that they have in these um, they have in these particular sandwiches. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, we're going to continue this conversation for one more segment. Does this lady have a point? Jeff Wagner. That's Hanson. They're still around? Real, apparently, huh? Um, U.S. Cellular Connection stage, 10 o'clock. Hanson. Huh. I haven't thought about Hanson ever, but I didn't know they were there. Okay, if you're just joining us, here's what we're discussing. Um, Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts sells a steak and egg breakfast sandwich. They have, like, bacon and egg breakfast sandwiches as well and things like that. Woman has filed a federal class action lawsuit in New York. So if class certification is granted, you will be able to glom on to this. She says Dunkin' Donuts is defrauding customers because they market this as Angus steak. And actually, it's Angus beef, and it's a patty. And they have other fillers and stuff in it. So she alleges that she has been defrauded. I don't know. When I go into one of these fast food restaurants, when I go into one of these burger doodles, and I order the steak and egg biscuit or the steak and egg bagel or whatever, I I guess I'm not necessarily assuming that I'm going to get the same type of steak I would get if I go to a fine restaurant. But who knows? Noah in West Bend. Noah, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, Jeff. Love the show. Uh yeah, I worked in the restaurant industry for over a decade, and towards the start of it, obviously, was not in nice places, and one of them was a sandwich shop, a national sandwich shop, everybody knows. And I can tell you what they sell as steak on the package, says modified cornstarch product and roasted beef. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. So right. clearly this is not steak, and I guess I feel like this is, this is like the new thing. I mean, we were, we're suing Menards and Home Depot because 4 by 4s that haven't measured 4 inches right. since the 50s, are are not four inches, and now we're suing because fast food restaurants that have been serving, you know, essentially slop as as meat for the past sixty years, are doing that. And it, it's just like, what? When did we decide that we're just going to forget? Everything? I mean, do I get to sue the education system because the sky isn't actually technically blue? It's so okay, so so, I mean, so you don't feel <laughs> you don't feel ripped off? I mean, she, what she says is, look, she says I'm I'm looking at the. The way the term is defined by the USDA, and it says, like, steak is supposed to be a boneless slice or strip of meat um, as opposed to a patty. This is a patty. Oh, my gosh, it's terrible. I'm being ripped off. Well, I think what it comes down to is we've talked about, for years, puffery and and the idea that ads, you know, sell something as a little better than it is, and that's the reality. So, I mean, I guess it comes down to what is the standard going to be then. Right. So that's fine. If she feels ripped off, okay, but then every other chain is going to have to change their steak to whatever, whatever it actually <laughs> is. Right. <laughs> well, right. I, I mean, right. I guess, thanks. I mean, I guess I just, I mean, thanks for calling. I mean, I guess I just, to, to me, it's a question of is something intentionally misleading? Does a reasonable person go into, in this case, a, a Dunkin' Donuts and order the breakfast sandwich for $2 and whatever it, it ends up costing and, and then say, okay, well, yes, it, it's meat. It is, it is marinated beef. And it's apparently marinated Angus beef, but it's a patty form as opposed to like a strip steak. Oh my gosh, I'm ripped off. 
I don't think the average person is going to perceive that as a problem, just like when we were talking about the footlong uh, with the thing with Subway. Okay, oh my gosh, we, we measure the, the sandwiches, and they're, they're not actually a foot long because you know the bread starts off as 12 inches, but when you bake it, it might shrink a little bit because you know different because bread rises and things like that. So, oh my gosh, it might actually only be 11 and 3 quarters inches. I, I'm being ripped off. I don't think so. 414 799 20. Let's talk to Michael in Janesville. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Joe. This is just a prime example of a woman having way too much time on her hands. Yeah. You know, and I guess on the outside side of it is, you know, this is why everyone hates trial lawyers. Yep. Because you're going to get some skanky lawyer that's going to pick up on this and go, oh, man, we can make hundreds of thousands of dollars off of this over a play on work. Right, and make hundreds of thousands of dollars for the lawyer. See, this is this is the. I, I always try to explain this to people. There, there is a role for class action lawsuits in, in our society because sometimes you have these big manufacturers who you know rip off consumers in meaningful ways. But you know, if it was just one person being able to sue, it wouldn't put any pressure on them. But if you can, again, you make a defective product, something like that. But but at the same time, you're exactly right. You have these lawyers that are chasing business. Oh, here, let's get this class action lawsuit. We'll file it. Maybe it's going to be bad publicity against Dunkin' Donuts. We will settle. The lawyers walk away with hundreds of thousands of dollars, and the members of the class walk away with essentially nothing, or maybe a, a certificate for you know a, a half off. A breakfast sandwich or something from Dunkin' Donuts. Well, exactly. I mean, I ended up just receiving something in the mail the other day over someone was suing Harbor Freight for uh, misleading sales. And uh, how the whole outcome would end up being is you would end up gaining dollars. Right. I mean, it was up to like $10 right. that you would have gotten out of this. But the lawyer's going to, like you said, the lawyer's going to walk away with thousands right so or like, right at least thousands sometimes hundreds of thousands absolutely right. that, that's see, and that's the way that this type of stuff works Un- unfortunately and again i i i there are there is a role for class action lawsuits because again sometimes you have it's a way to hold big businesses or manufacturers accountable um, if they do stuff that legitimately rips off the public, the problem is you have all these lawyers out there chasing these type this this type of business and filing lawsuits that are okay. The word frivolous has a particular legal meaning, so I don't know if I want to use the word frivolous. But the, these lawsuits that you just kind of roll your head, really? I mean, you're, you're going into a Dunkin' Donuts, you're getting a beef sand, you know, you're getting a beef. It's it's. It is Angus beef, but it's Angus beef patties, not an Angus beef hunk of what you would traditionally offer a steak. Oh, give me money. Mark and Fond du Lac. Mark, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. i got a question and a comment. The sure. question is, when these idiots file this type of lawsuit, who pays a lawyer to draw up this 40-page document? Typically, the lawyer works on a um, contingency basis. The typical deal is the lawyer gets somewhere between a quarter and a third of whatever money is recovered. So if nothing's recovered, the lawyer gets nothing. Right. If nothing's recovered, the lawyer gets nothing. But typically, you know, if you can work out a settlement or something, you know, the lawyer will get their legal fees and it will be Dunkin' Donuts that would end up paying them. That's typically right. the way it comes out of whatever the proceeds of the class would be. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Thanks. Sure. My comment is I've only... In fact, I just had one on Sunday. It was a steak sandwich. Yep. It was the a tenderloin type of steak, but I paid nine dollars for it. I didn't pay two dollars for it. 
And I'm, I'm from Sheboygan. And you go to any butcher market, and you're going to have minute steaks, you're going to have right. restaurant steaks, you're going to have cube steaks. Right. Uh, you walk into any restaurant and say, give me a steak sandwich, you're going to get either a tenderized piece of steak, whether it's Angus or whatever. Right. It's not going to look like a strip steak. It's not going to look right. like a piece of steak that you're referring to. Uh, so, again, like somebody commented earlier, somebody's got too much time on their hands, and they thought, Ah, let's pick on this one. Well, right. Well, let's try to win the legal lottery. I mean, no, thanks. That, that's it. That, that, let's try to win the, the legal lottery. And, you know, let's try to hope that Dunkin' Donuts ends up settling this because they don't want to spend the money to litigate it because maybe they're going to lose and maybe they're going to get bad publicity because a lot of people are going to be outraged. Again, now, I don't know about you, but I, I am not outraged to find that if, I, again, I haven't had one of these sandwiches, but I am not outraged to find that, gee, it's actually a beef patty as opposed to, I don't know, the, the New York strip steak that I ordered last week at one of my favorite steak restaurants. But if if you're looking to retire, if you're looking to retire, all right, there's this class, and you've had one of these sandwiches, there's this class action lawsuit that's going on, you know, maybe you two can glom onto it and see if you can get some money. More likely... Um, even if this goes anywhere, you'll get a coupon for another sandwich at Dunkin' Donuts, and the attorneys will get the money. They're the ones that are going to get rich, and everybody else, well, they're going to get the they're going to get the egg sandwich. It is nine forty three. This is Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. Why should we wait till tomorrow? It's nine forty seven. Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. That's Peter Wolf playing at the Briggs & Stratton Big Backyard at 9.30 this evening. That is, uh, of course, it is day two of Summerfest. He finds himself at the center of the GOP Senate battle over health care reform. What is it about the current bill that has kept Senator Ron Johnson from supporting his leadership plan? Is it time for a bipartisan effort, as some of his colleagues are suggesting? Good luck with that. Wisconsin senior senator joined Scafidi and Billstad at 107 this afternoon as they broadcast live from Summerfest, sponsored by Pella, Windows, and Doors of Wisconsin. Speaking of of Ron Johnson, um, all right, yesterday, and, and this is, again, one of these stories that in, in Milwaukee and in, in the media around here, and it's not necessarily just limited to Milwaukee, if you want to hold, a, a, if you are a lefty group and you want to hold a protest, all you need is like three or four people and a dog, and you'll, you'll get all the TV cameras. Everybody will show up. That, that's just kind of it. So this is the story. Protesters at federal courthouse object to Medicaid cuts, and this is the way it was reported in the Journal Sentinel. A group of 15 protesters gathered outside the federal courthouse Wednesday afternoon to voice opposition to Medicaid cuts contained in the health care bill under consideration by the U.S. Senate. Fifteen protesters. Now, the, the the truth is, in the the Trump era, you know, you you can you, you can send out one Facebook notice, and you can get three hundred people with more time on their hands to show up. Okay, this is this is getting all this attention. It's fifteen people that show up outside the federal courthouse. Um, one person, this woman, was cited for disorderly conduct after refusing to leave the courthouse. And I, I watched the interview she does. Okay, it's this young woman who's got um, hair which is a color not found in nature. Okay, that that's fine. That that's it. But but it's just kind of like, okay, why would you that's an interesting choice, all right? And if you if you have those color choices, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying, okay, that's kind of an interesting choice to make. So apparently what happens is that this group 
um, they, they go into Ron Johnson's office. Um, they arrive in his fourth floor office. I don't think he's there. Um, and, you know, um, they ask to, to talk to his people. So you know, they, some staff people, they, they talk to him. And then, not to Johnson, he's not there, but they, they talk to a couple staff members. And then security says, okay, t- time to go. Um, they apparently decided that they didn't just want to leave. They wanted to stage what the one woman described as a die-in. Not, not as in dye your hair, but die as in, oh, oh my goodness, we are, whatever policy that the GOP is going to implement is going to kill people. You know, it, do, and it doesn't matter. The, the, this is the, the current trend. We're going to do these, these die-ins because, gee, if you, I don't know, uh, eliminate some of the mandatory medical coverage, if you don't have birth control coverage, people are going to die. If we pull out of the Paris Accords, everybody's going to die because it's going to destroy the planet. So what happens is the, the group goes down, apparently, to the lobby. They sit down in the lobby of the federal move building and then do this die-in, okay, where they just go dead. Huh. All right. So now one of the things that is aggravating about this is, of course, this is a public building. This is a courthouse. People conduct business. So you, you've got this ragtag, literally, group of protesters that is doing this. They're like laying around the floor. And and security says, OK, fine, good. You, you've had your photo op. Get up and leave. And they apparently, apparently at least this one woman refuses to do that. Now, here's part of the problem. When when people do this when they stage these sort of events number one they interfere with the rights of people to other people to use the the building it is a public access thing secondly there's always the risk that somebody is going to get hurt in hauling them out i mean here you have if you have somebody that's 150 pounds of dead weight or or whatever and they're just refusing to move and so you have to have security guards that come and haul these people out there's always the risk that somebody's going to get hurt it's just kind of like okay grow up um, so, again, one of the woman, women is doing this. She does an interview with the Journal Sentinel where she says, well, it was just this, this die-in, um, and, you know, we decided we were going to protest. And, you know, were you arrested? Well, they gave me a ticket, and they, they told me not to come back. And it's, um, all right, is there any sort of outrage about this? And, she's, and again, the, the media is trying to create some sort of outrage. Oh, my gosh, you know, they arrested her. Well, what they did is they gave her a ticket for disorderly conduct because she was laying on the floor of the building, and they tossed her out, and they told her, you know, not to come back. And, of course, this gets a huge story in the Journal Sentinel. You know, the bottom line of all this, and for all these protesters, that are out there, I, I have I have a message. Four words: grow the heck up. I mean, seriously. I understand you have a First Amendment right to protest, but but this is just like you had the backlash when you had the overreaction to Act 10 five years ago. I mean, really, you've got a ragtag group of protesters. They come down to the federal building where businesses can be conducted, trials are being held. Um, Ron Johnson isn't there. You meet with members of his staff, and, and the way it's described, apparently there's a polite you know, d- discussion um, that, that kind of goes on, and then... Um, all right, um, like, like the way they said it, uh, the members of staff had a pleasant interaction with the folks who came to share their views, and then, all right, instead of just going on their way, these ragtag group of protesters decide that they want to flop down on, on the ground, and then this becomes a media story, or they're whining about the police throwing them out of the building. Yeah, throw them out of the building. If you want to have your die-in, lay on the public sidewalks and let people step over you, for goodness sakes. It's 953, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Oh, you gotta jump down.
9.56, Jeff Wagner, 6.20, WTMJ. This is Brian uh, Setzer's Rockabilly, Rockabilly, Rockabilly Riot. That's at the Harley-Davidson Roadhouse, 9.30 at night. Um, Jane Matinair, this is, it's not, I won't say favorite because it's a horrible story, but it's one of these that you read and you go, okay, what were people thinking? Did you see the story about the people who were trying to make the YouTube video? All right. I'm, I'm not making th- this up, and it's just, there's stupid, and then there's this. Minnesota woman seeking YouTube fame has now been charged in the shooting death of her boyfriend. Her name is Mona Lisa Perez. She's 19. Boyfriend is Pedro was Pedro Ruiz III, 22 years old. According to the criminal complaint, the two of them wanted to make a YouTube video of her shooting at a book that he was holding in front of his chest. Monday evening, Perez, that's the woman, tweeted that the couple had agreed to carry out one of the most dangerous videos ever. Me and Pedro are probably going to shoot one of the most dangerous videos ever. His idea, not mine. Unfortunately, the prank went very wrong, and the bullet went through the book and into his chest, (laughs) killing him before he could be airlifted for medical treatment. According to the reports, she fired the shot from about a foot away. Perez told authorities that the boyfriend thought the prank would work because he'd shot a different book and the bullet did not go all the way through. So these two of these two idiots, one guy, the boy, the guy is apparently like holding God knows what book in front of him. She stands a foot away and fires a bullet at the book. Surprise follows surprise. The book bullet goes through the book, and he's dead. Um, the couple often made prank videos and posted them on, on YouTube. Um, in one of the videos, the boyfriend tries, oh, she tries to pr- prank him with a sandwich filled with hot peppers. In another, the couple detail their stay at a haunted hotel. The couple have a three-year-old child together and another on the way. You don't even know what to say about this kind of stuff. It's like, gee, honey, I know what we can do tonight. I'm going to take a loaded handgun. I'm going to shoot it at a book that you hold in front of your chest. And we're going to put this whole thing on YouTube. We will be a YouTube sensation. But that's, I mean, there's so many different aspects of this, as you said. But it is this constant seeking of attention and likes and retweets and and. It's not healthy. Well, right, and it motivates people who are stupid to begin with. I'm sorry. It, it, anybody that comes up with the idea that I'm going to hold a book in front of my head at close, in front of my chest at close, short, at close range, and have my girlfriend shoot it with a gun is stupid. I, there, there's, I'm, I hate to say that. Don't mean to be judgmental, but it is. But then you have these stupid people to begin with. It's like you're talking about who have this attention-seeking thing. I, I want this to be all over. I want this to have 9,000 clicks or views or whatever. Well, she's looking at 10 years in prison. The guy is dead. She's pregnant with the second child, you know, who will now grow up without a father. And, and yet this story happens all the time. Headline, Minnesota woman seeking YouTube fame fatally shoots boyfriend in stunt gone wrong. No kidding. It is 10 o'clock. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 10.09. This is Jeff Wagner. Glad to have you with us. All right. This weekend, 
is the grand opening of a number of the stores out at the corners of Brookfield. This is out in what Gerke's Corners, the, uh, the the new shopping center. Va- Vaughn Mar is the the shopping center that's sort of the anchor. There, there's a Sendex that is there. Um, Bel Air, which is a Mexican restaurant, I believe it's a chain. Cafe Hollander um, there as well. LL Bean. Uh, my best friend's son works at LL Bean um, there, and then that's they've been open for a couple weeks, but it's been a soft opening. So, I mean, this weekend there's a number of other um, stores that are there as well, and it's sort of an interesting place. I, I I drove through there. There's talk about they want to try to put a movie theater in there, like a nine screen movie theater, but so far the plans are a little sketchy as to where they're going to put it. So that's been tabled. But it's if you haven't been out there, it's it's sort of an interesting place. I. I kind of question, are they going to ultimately have enough parking or things like that? But but regardless, it's interesting. It's nice to see the development. And Vaughn Mar is is the anchor. I was out there a couple weeks ago. My niece, for, for her graduation, we said, okay, we'll, we'll take you wherever you want to go. And she chose that Cafe Hollander. So that was she was a cheap date. Um, at least in this particular occasion. So, you know, we went out and had a had a nice meal at the Cafe Hollander that's there. And like I say, the the uh, grand opening is this weekend for the complex, even though the Sendex has been open, the Von Mar has been open, but it's, it's more and more of the stores are there. And there's some others that aren't quite open yet, but that will. And I, I hope it, it succeeds. Now, I bring this up because this is not a good time for brick-and-mortar retailers. You, you cannot turn on the radio news or turn on the television or pick up a newspaper and look at the business section. I swear, there's not a week that goes by that you don't read a story about how some major retailer that were just institutions when many of us were growing up, Sears, JCPenney's, whatever, are, are looking at bankruptcy or are closing stores in an effort to, you know, stave off bankruptcy. You know, as a matter of fact, um, there are estimates right now that um, that there's actually as many as 22 major U.S. realtors, according to Moody's Investor Service, who are you know looking at you know potential bankruptcy, and it, it's one after another, and it's not at least in my opinion because people are shopping less, but it's because shopping habits have changed, and more and more people are are shopping online, and I admit I I do that as well I. As a general rule, I hate going into stores. It's just, I know some people enjoy shopping. It is therapy for them. It's fun. It's kind of like, let's go and browse. I'm not that person. I didn't get that, that gene. To me, I, I am a, I am a buyer. And I acknowledge that there are some things, if you want to buy, you've got to go, you've got to go in. If I want to buy a suit, okay, I mean, I, I'm not going to order a suit online. I mean, suits need to be fitted and those type of things. So I, I'm going to go to a, a store that sells men's suits. But but for a lot of stuff, um, you know, I, I don't need to go to the store. I mean, I know what kind of underwear I like to buy. I don't need to go to the store for that. Um, I, I wear the same type of blue jeans, and I, I know how they fit. I know what size fits. So if I want to buy the same pair of blue jeans again because I'm wearing out the one, I mean, I, I don't have to go to the store and try them on. I kind of know what fits. I can just re- replace them. Um, there's other stuff. It's not even size dependent. Um, I decided. I decided I was trying out some new golf balls, for example, and I kind of somebody gave me a couple sleeves of these golf balls, and I sort of like them. And I thought, okay, well, I'll I'll get a couple dozen golf balls. Now I could have gone to a sporting goods store or a golf store, but I, I admit 
a couple clicks on Amazon, and I find these golf balls that I was looking at, and free shipping, and boom. So I, I just ordered them. Now, I could have gone to, again, a, a golf store. I could have gone to a sporting goods store, and maybe they would have had this particular brand of golf ball and the particular iteration I was looking at. But I, 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 I just it was just easy. Um, and I understand in some respects that's not fair to the local retailers because you're not patronizing the business and they're paying taxes and they're paying their employees. But, again, it was just easy. So I ended up doing it. And more and more people are doing that. So it's not this argument that, that people aren't shopping. It's that our shopping habits have changed. And it is making it more and more of a challenge for the brick-and-mortar retailers. And so I, I hope this Four Corners project uh, succeeds, but it, it is, I think there's there's questions about it. Now, this is all kind of a way of leading up to the story I want to talk about with you. Oak Creek, and I don't say this because the former mayor is my colleague Steve Scafidi now, but Oak Creek has really been, I think, a leader in, in development, in, in bringing businesses in. You look at a number of the projects that they've got going on and in figuring out a way to meld public versus with private interests. I mean, I think they've done a very, very good job. And the big story today is that IKEA, um, IKEA is breaking ground on what will be its first store in Wisconsin. Um, there's these 29 acres along Drexel Road near I-94, the freeway in Oak Creek, and they're going to be turned into um, what at least some people are saying might be the most popular retail destination in the, the state. Um, IKEA, of course, is, is a Swedish self-assembled furniture store chain. And, you know, they're at a time when brick-and-mortar stores are, are struggling and at a time when shopping malls are trying to reinvent themselves to try to figure out, okay, how can we get people to get off the Internet and actually come out and patronize the stores? You know, you've got IKEA, which is blasting ahead with um, what they say will be a almost 300,000-square-foot brick-and-mortar store um, that's going to sell their furniture, home office decor. Um, they're also going to have a, a restaurant attached that's going to sell specialties such as Swedish meatballs and uh, liganberries. So they're blasting ahead at a time that a lot of people are kind of pulling back. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want to see this store succeed, just like I want to see you know the place out in the town of Brookfield succeed, the this, this shopping center. But but th- let's face it, they're swimming against the current because the trends are away from brick-and-mortar stores. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Is this IKEA store, this massive store, going to be a success? Will people patronize it? And if it is going to be a success, why do you think so? What's going to make this store work? When, okay, other department stores, for example, are struggling. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is IKEA going to succeed in Oak Creek when they open, presumably sometime next year, with this giant store? 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have a theory. I will share it with you. Um, but I'm, I'm very curious, especially if you are an IKEA customer, are you looking forward to this 
or is this just going to end up being a white elephant a couple years from now? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It is 1017. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Rain makes corn. Corn makes whiskey. Whiskey makes my baby. Feel a little frisky. Thank <laughs> you, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Rain makes corn, corn makes whiskey, whiskey makes my baby feel a little frisky. They're not writing songs like that anymore. Um, That's Luke Bryan. He's performing, maybe they are, at the American Family (laughs) Amphitheater tonight at Summerfest. All right, uh, today they are breaking ground at a new Ikea store, which is going to be located... Big uh, 27-acre property on Drexel in Oak Creek, right off of I-94. This comes at a time when a lot of retailers are are struggling. A lot of malls are struggling. Is IKEA going to be something special? 414-799-1620. You know, I think, um, candidly, I, I think IKEA is different. And I think the chances of IKEA succeeding, at least in the short run, are a lot greater than this would if this was another sort of big box retail store. Um, 414-799-1620. Let's start with Kelly in West Bend. Kelly, you're first. Good morning. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Ikea is not just a, a place to shop. It's an experience. And there are people that will plan whole weekends around trips to Ikea. Um, you know, this is, a, this is a restaurant. This is a... Uh, you know, three-level store where you can get just about everything under the sun. The prices are reasonable. Um, the quality is fairly good. So I think this is going to be a huge success. I love IKEA. Okay, because it, it, I, I, I get the idea, Kelly, that it, it's almost kind of like a cult. And I don't, I don't say it in a bad way, but it, like sort of a, a nice cult that people are, are really into the whole IKEA culture thing. Well, yeah, and it's because of the huge selection and because it's a little bit different. You're going to find things at Ikea that you wouldn't find at a Target or some other store because it is kind of a, I, I believe it's Scandinavian, so right. it's it's a little bit different. Some of the things are different looking, but um, I think because it's so reasonably priced and because you can get anything you want there, it's a real draw for people. Will you be going there? Oh, yeah, absolutely, no doubt. <laughs> okay, all right, good enough. Thanks, the call. I'm just kind of curious, 414-799-1620. I, I do think, and look, I, I, I've never been to an Ikea store, but I, I do know that people who, who go there who are into this kind of stuff are really, really into it, and the whole idea of the self-assembled furniture is an appeal in part because of the price. Derek and Brown Deer. Derek, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Yeah, I'm going to echo a little bit on what the previous caller just said. Um, yeah, IKEA has everything, and they don't appeal to just, you know, your your normal household shoppers, but they really appeal to contractors and home builders and, you know, remodelers, you know, that they can go in there and see everything set up and, and really, you know, pick out things that are different than just your normal layout, you know, like this is what we have to offer and that's all you got. So they, they hit a market. That's other than just your normal, you know. But but but, it, but it, it, it's mostly apart from the restaurant. It's mostly a furniture store. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But you know, but I, I think a lot of people now are, are remodeling more than building. You know, just price. But you know, the whole market's starting to change a little bit. Um, and then right. when with the stores like American TV going out of business, right. I mean, really you have Steinhoffels and Ashley Furniture. And some of these smaller mom-pop places, but even then, they're carrying the things that are, you know, like out-of-date. People don't really want, you know, they're kind of hit and miss. So IKEA just really hits the market with everything that they 
that they right. offer, minus you know appliances and electronics. Right. No, I mean I think it, and clearly, I mean and it, it's in some respects. Even though it's a big story, it's also I think it's a niche. I mean, you have to be into the that that type that Scandinavian style of furniture. But if you are, I'm people people love it. I'm just swamped with emails with texts here. My family is Swedish, and we have purchased many items at the IKEA in, in, IKEA in Schaumburg. The difference is the shopping experience at many U.S. institutions has declined greatly. Very little is put into the buildings. IKEA will do well in you know Oak Creek, and you know that's. You know, I think that there is a a point to that as well. Let's see another text. The store will make it. Brick-and-mortar stores that provide items that are bulky or one-off additions in the home will make it. It's not like a replacement set of clothing, napkins, toilet paper, things that are known that can be ordered online. Um, you know, that's not going to succeed. IKEA is also an experience, which uh, places like Sears, you know, aren't. Um, yeah, I mean, there's... There is, of course, I think that factor as well. Let's see another. Um, having purchased from IKEA, it has exorbitant shipping charges um, uh, to order online, more than twice that of the desk. It will succeed, and I'm uh, glad that they are closer now. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's clearly one of the things. Let's see. Mike writes, "I, for one, will be frequently frequenting IKEA on a weekly basis. Always a fun trip. Um, also, if I was willing to travel to Schaumburg from Milwaukee, then people will travel up here from." up north um, rather than down to Oak Creek. I think what he's saying is that people from Illinois might be coming here. Um, Mike in Madison. Mike, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Mike. You know, it's a little hypocritical of you. Of me? You you are bashing these companies, these foreign companies, for uh, coming in and building here and doing everything here. Um, you preach America first, like your 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 Lord and Savior Donald Trump. And um, what show do you listen now, to, Mike? What show do you listen to, Mike? 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 What show do you listen to? <laughs> I oh, okay, uh, Mike. Mike, listen to the show every once in a while. Your Lord and Savior Donald Trump. Um, okay, Mike. 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 You need to pay attention. I'm one. At any given day, I will have all these hostile emails from people saying you're not towing the party line with Donald Trump. You 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 just you criticized him, and then I have other people that will say you're not being critical enough. No, I'm I'm saying you know, but but it's just like you're you're just preaching. You just preach America first. No, I'm I'm one of the guys who's a free trader. That's one of the examples of where I disagree with Donald Trump because I don't know what made in America is anymore. Is a car made in America if? I don't know. It's assembled in America, but all the parts come from overseas or vice versa. No, I'm Mike, Mike, Mike. I'm one of these free traders. I like to see businesses coming in because, candidly, um, IKEA might be a Swedish company, but if it's successful here in Oak Creek, what that means is it is going to be employing people who live close to the Oak Creek area, and it's going to be paying taxes into the community. So... Um, I'm not one of those guys. You must have been listening to someone else. 414-799-1620. Joe in Oconomowoc. Joe, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. And Jeff, thanks for taking the call. Yes, sir. Hey, I think a lot of people are missing the mark with IKEA. IKEA just isn't a furniture store. It's got kitchen utensils. It's got right. uh, home decor, pillows. And the way the store is laid out is not your typical big box store. It's not aisles and aisles. It's actually like a maze, the three floors of a maze. And I think people... It's, it's almost like uh, going uh, Easter egg hunting. You, know, you go, you turn a corner and go, oh, wow, look at this. Wow, look at this. And it, I think that's that's the experience. It's not the furniture aspect of it. It's that 
you know, $30 and under uh, uh, price point for, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some unique kitchen utensil or something and uh, or right. something to, decor, uh, to decorate the home. Well, I also think, I mean, clearly their niche is also the, the, you have to, the assembled furniture and that, you know, you can well, buy. aspect of it. Yeah, right. but I don't think a lot of people go just for that. They go for everything. Right, and then they stop off at the restaurant and have some Swedish meatballs or something. Yeah, and the food's not bad there. Is it going to succeed in Oak Creek? You know, I think, uh, you know, like you mentioned earlier, I think for a couple of years it's certainly going to have that impact and stuff. Right. Long term, who knows anymore with, uh, you know, the way of the big boxes and everything else. I don't know if it'll right. end up being like the rest of them, but uh, it'll, it'll succeed for a while. Oh, good. And, I, and I, don't get me wrong, I, I, I hope. I hope it will succeed for a while. Um, I think I think that there's going to be a lot of interest at, at first, um, and and then I guess it's just going to tell. I mean, the problem with an IKEA is that it's again. I think it is sort of a niche. You know, people talk about the experience, but it is sort of a niche. But but hopefully it will fill a niche. And I think this is great for Oak Creek. You know, if surrounding communities want to see, you know, how can you turn a community around and how can you really like grow for the future? Uh, take take a look at the blueprint from Oak Creek because they've done a tremendous job. It's ten twenty eight. This is Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. Ten thirty six, Jeff Wagner, six twenty to be CMJ. That's Guster performing at the Eline Warehouse Summerfest tonight. Uh, day two of Summerfest. They're there at ten o'clock. Um, hopefully, the weather will allow the delayed Big Bang fireworks to go off. We're on the verge of a busy holiday week. Are you still looking for ways to celebrate the Fourth of July? Check out a full list of area activities up now at wtmj.com. Also, let me issue you a reminder that even though. If you drive between here and the Illinois line, once you get down into Racine County, Kenosha County, you you will see all these different fireworks stands that are up along the side of the road. Um, Just buyer beware, because in pretty much everywhere in Milwaukee County and in some of the surrounding communities, different different communities have different ordinances with regard to, to fireworks. In the city of Milwaukee and in many, if not... Most, if not all, of the surrounding, uh, again, communities in Milwaukee County, essentially, if it blows up or it flies or it sparkles, it is illegal. So I I understand. I've talked about this before. And whenever I do, I I get people who say, oh, you just don't care about the kids. I I, I understand the, the exploding and the flying I, I still think this war on sparklers is a little bit much, but but regardless, that that's the law in many communities. So if you're going to have your kids running around with sparklers, make sure you check the local ordinances because you could be subject to a nasty fine. And I, every time I talk about that, I get somebody who says, "I'm an emergency room nurse, and you should see the people that you know come in with, you know, with burns from sparklers." And I understand that's why you need to be careful with those type of things. But re- regardless, uh, just acquaint yourself to what the law is and if i seem like sometimes it's sort of reckless keep in mind i grew up in an era where we, we actually played jarts we had like lawn jarts starts and you, you threw them and you you played horseshoes with them and somehow my brother and i were able to survive and, and grow up but again be mindful of what the law is when you're dealing with these type of things all right. In the last segment of the program, we were talking about whether IKEA is going to succeed. And, I mean, I think at least short term, I, I think it probably has the possibility of doing very well. We in southeastern Wisconsin really, um, I, I think, are blessed to have 
all the different competition, the, all the different competitors we have when it comes to groceries. I mean, in you know, the, depending on what part of our listening area it is, there, there's different grocery stores that are are dominant. But you've got you've got the local chain Syndex, which is a huge presence a- around here. You've got you know, you've got your pick and saves. You've got your Metro Markets. You've got your you know Piggly Wigglies. I was driving by a Piggly Wiggly store the the other night. Um, you have some of the local specialty markets that are around. There's just and I, I know I'm I'm leaving out a lot of the grocery store chains. I don't do that on purpose, but you understand what I mean. There's lots and lots of grocery store chains. There's lots and lots of uh, again competition. And candidly, I think. You know, plus, we're not even getting into you know the Costco's and the WalMarts of the world, and and I think they all do a pretty darn good job. Woodman's, Aldi's, you know, all the, the list goes on and on and on. Meyer, I mean, one after another, you know, you have these stores that are located around the area, and um, if price is your thing, there's places that you can go. There's some places that do produce really well. You know, you you get to you get to choose, and you get to uh, actually if you're if you got, gee, I love meat from this store, and I love the produce at another. You, you can drive around. We have, we're very, very blessed to have all sorts of choices when it comes to groceries. Now, I use this as a lead-in because, as you're probably aware, there, there's what could be a game changer in in the grocery market. You know, Amazon, which um, is just a, a retailing colossus. And as we talk about the decline of brick-and-mortar stores, there, there's just no question that, I mean, I, I think it has been in large part driven by, by Amazon. And, again, I, I confess to, you know, doing this. I mean, Amazon's market value now is pushing um, half a trillion dollars because Amazon has become the, the thing for shopping. And, again, I, I mean, I confess where before, if I wanted to buy, let, let's say I, I, there's, there's a couple new books that are coming out. And I'm thinking, oh, these books would be, you know, interesting or whatever. You know, in the past, I would go to either a local bookstore, I'd go to Barnes and Noble, and I'd see if they had them, or I'd ask to see when they're coming in. Now I read about, hey, there's this book coming out. I, I admit, I go onto Amazon, I order it, it's there, delivered to my doorstep a couple days later. So I mean, I'm part of the problem. I freely confess to that. But as somebody who doesn't enjoy shopping, like I was saying, I I, I go and patronize these things. Amazon is now in the process of, of bidding to purchase Whole Foods. Now, Whole Foods, in this whole, scambit, uh, whole gambit of grocery business in this country, Whole Foods is a relatively small player. Whole Foods controls less than 2% of the, the grocery business. Right now, Amazon controls less than 1% of the grocery business. But a lot of people are looking at the effort that Amazon is making to buy Whole Foods as saying this is Amazon, you know, trying to get the camel trying to get its nose under the under, under the tent. That you know, Amazon wants to use its acquisition of Whole Foods to start expanding again its online retail delivery of, of food. Now, look, there's some foods that you're not you're you're not going to order with two or three day delivery. I, I wouldn't imagine, but at the same time, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff 
that theoretically, you know, maybe you don't need it today. You don't need it to make the dinner tonight. But, you know, you're looking for shopping and you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm planning on I'm planning on doing this or I, I know I'm going to need cereal. So rather than you know going out to the particular store and ordering boxes of cereal, I'm, I'm going to order it through Whole Foods. And the idea of Whole Foods is part and parcel of Amazon. It makes it very easy to do that. A lot of the brick-and-mortar grocery stores are starting to look at this saying, well, wait a second, this could really upset our our business model if more and more people start, again, just the one-click ordering you know, and having food delivered to their home. And, again, I understand that's not going to work for fresh produce. It's probably not going to work. For, it's not going to work for fresh meat. Um, you know, frozen stuff, maybe, maybe not, depending on how the pricing is. But when you think about a lot of the stuff, particularly the non-perishable food items, all right, do you need to run out to the grocery store? Or, hey, if it's just a couple clicks, can you get it? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Not today, not tomorrow, not next week, probably not in the next six months. But I do believe that... I do believe that this could be the start of a game changer when it comes to people's food shopping experiences. And I'm not I'm not saying that regulators should block it or anything like that. But I think if Amazon is able to make this succeed, and I think there's a great likelihood that they will, five years from now, the way we're going to be getting our groceries may, in fact, be changing drastically. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If Amazon becomes a real presence in the grocery business, um, is it going to change your shopping habits? Does this pose a threat to your traditional brick-and-mortar grocery stores? 414-799-1620, I think yes. And we discuss next. Ten forty-seven. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. That is Brian Setzer playing tonight at the Harley Davidson Roadhouse. Nine thirty. It is day two of Summerfest. You know, I I've been thinking about how for certain consumer products I I use Amazon. Now, typically, I still go to the grocery store. I still go to the drugstore and buy stuff. But I I will tell you, there was a um, there's a particular type. Okay, I use hairspray. Just you know, it's just a tad, just a tad of hairspray, just a little bit. Otherwise, I have, I have not thinning, but thin hair, and it's kind of like I end up with bangs. The only way I can get, keep the hair off my forehead is a little bit of hairspray. And there's a particular type that I, I like, and I can't find it in a lot of the stores that I go to. So it gets annoying. So I just went on Amazon, and you know, they had it. They had exactly the brand I use. So you know, I ordered like 12 cans of it. So now I've got a lifetime supply of the hairspray. But it was just that was how I, I used it. And it was just, it was convenient. I think that with Amazon taking over Whole Foods, more and more people, it's going to be that, that convenience factor that especially for, especially for, you know, items that um, there's constant demand for, you know, baby products, you know, healthcare, sundries, things like, like that, that it's just, okay, I, I can get it. It'll come two or three days later. I mean, I think this could be could be a, a potentially a game changer. Again, you know, fresh meat, all right, fresh produce, you know, fresh bakery stuff. Okay, that's different. But the the sundries, the the boxes of cereal, the things like that, you know, the cookies. You know, I, I think it could be a changer. Let's talk four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Pete in West Bend. Pete, you're on six twenty BTMJ. Good morning. Hey, how's it going, Jeff? Yeah, this is the future here. I mean, if you think about what's already out there, local retailers are already offering this. 
There's also a company, Instacart, out there. They'll go to Costco, Meyer, Pick and Save. They'll go wherever you want. You can have it shipped to you in an hour. Right. Three ninety nine. I think, but if you're an older person, though, these services are going to be huge in the future because the time is going to be. You don't have to wait a couple of days. It'll be a couple hours. Well, right, and I also I suspect that one of the things you're also going to see is with with millennials and stuff. I think um, I think Amazon is going to try to figure out a way to morph this into exactly that that delivery service where you can call up, you can order stuff, and a couple hours later it it's there. Which is why even a lot of the brick the brick and mortar uh, places like like the Sendex they're now offering delivery. You know, you can call up and you can list the different items you have, and for a relatively nominal charge, somebody will be your personal shopper, and you can go to the store and they'll have it all ready for you. Yeah, it seems easy, doesn't it? Uh, well, it, right, thank, especially if you're like me and you don't like to shop, you know. No, I think, thanks for, and again, but I, to me, the real value, and I don't know if it's necessarily just older people, I think it might be everybody, if, if, Look, and I understand, again, there, there's some people you, you, you want to go through, you want to look at the different items and things like that, and there's always going to be that need. But for for the stuff for the stuff that you know you're going to use, okay, this is the type of dog food that I feed my dog. Um, all right, I, I don't. I don't need to go to the grocery store and look at all the different brands that are available. I've already made this decision. I'm going to do it. Or, you know, I, I use Colgate toothpaste and I use, you know, this type of deodorant or whatever. You, you don't and your, your brand preference is, is set. You don't need to necessarily go to the grocery store. Now, you know, especially if you need to make special trips or you can just order it and it shows up a day later. Mike in Sheboygan. Mike, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, how are you? Good. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's a complete game changer, but I know. I mean, so I know in Seattle and where my sister was in California, they already have brick and mortar stores, right? Um, just like they have brick and mortar bookstores, and, and Amazon is, you know, the king of of, of logistics. So right. we're third party sellers on Amazon. Um, we have been for three years. We do ninety five percent niche grocery, and as a seller, you you learn how to pivot really fast because things change. So, right. <laughs> um, but you know, I I think. I think they're going to use it as, as more of a, I guess, quote unquote, warehouse. Um, as you know, where mm-hmm. some places they can deliver really fast, right. like New York and that sort of thing. Where now these are in in bigger suburb cities yep. where it's hard to park and that sort of thing. So I think it worked out really well. I mean, you know, I never know. I never doubt the guy. He's a genius. So do you think? <laughs> yeah. Do you think that people? You think that people will accept that? I mean, because there is this idea. Of, I, I mean, again, for, for sundries and stuff, you know, really, if if you use northern toilet paper or whatever, you you know yeah. what you want, so it doesn't matter. Do you think they are going to be able to expand this to, I don't know, to bread, to milk, to eggs, to you know, the the, the produce, to the the fresh meat, that type of stuff? Yeah, I think so because when I'm at like. I don't know if I can mention a, sure. a bigger grocery store that's in Woodman's and, and sure. down in your area. I'm from Sheboygan, but we shop at Woodman's. And, you know, I noticed that they have five, six, seven shoppers shopping for people at any right. given time with their cell phones and getting their stuff and sitting outside to pick it up and they're done. Right. You know, the people, people don't buy products anymore. They buy their time. And yeah. that's why we ship when we, when we do third party selling for Amazon, we ship all their stuff to their warehouses and any mm-hmm. prime member can get a niche grocery item they saw in North Carolina, you know, in two days. So 
people want convenience, they want their time back, and they just want to spend time with their families, and I think they'll pay for it. How do you find working with Amazon? Because one, one of the complaints about Amazon is the same complaint that you hear about, oh, like, a, like a Walmart, that, it, when, uh-huh. that, that they squeeze... Squeeze guys like you, you know, who are squeeze the the providers um, in in order to try to keep prices low. Um, you know, we buy everything wholesale. There's people out there that buy stuff retail on sale, and, and so we don't do any what they call retail arbitrage. We do all all wholesale. So right. um, they take they to be honest with you, they take a third of what we what our profit. But right. with that, they also we also get their shipping costs to ship it in, which is dirt cheap. And right. then we also get um, you know them to pick pack and do all our customer service, which if you're at a Walmart site and you're on Walmart, you have to pick, pack, ship, and do all your customer service yourself. So right. um, I'd rather, you know... Just, right, so, so know, even, with the one-third, even with the one-third haircut, you're still doing fine by dealing with Amazon. Yeah, we're doing well. My, my wife quit her corporate job this year, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, outstanding. Thank, thanks for the call, Mike. 414-799-1620. Mike on the Northwest side. Mike, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Jeff. Uh, I think that... Uh, Amazon is like really pushing a lot of stuff, and the thought in my mind is: uh, Is retail really going to go away? Are they going to cut away the middle man, the retailer, and just have every manufacturer have tens of thousands of items on the internet right. and you just order direct from the manufacturer and just have delis and bakeries around? I think that's a fair question. Let me ask you that. Okay, fifth, not not today, not tomorrow, but ten years from now, do you think that that you know, specialty butcher, shop, butcher shops, you know, delis, bakeries, um, you know, those types of things. Is that going to be the wave of the future? I, I hope not because uh, I was in sales, and I'll tell you, FaceTime is very important. Uh, you can talk to anybody on the Internet, on a phone, uh, email, whatever, but FaceTime is FaceTime. And if you're looking at products, I think that you have to see the actual products to compare them, you know. One package is one package, and another package is another package. And on you order it off the line, off a picture. Right. You're not really looking at uh, at the structure or at the uh, actual product. You're yeah. just kind of looking at a picture and saying, "Okay, that's what I want." Yeah, and I guess, and I, I guess, and I understand what you're saying, Mike, and, and that's true to an extent. But for again, for, for people whose brand preferences are, are set, it's not like, "Gee, I'm trying to decide. I'm looking for." Oh, okay, a product that I've never used before. But for the for the products. Okay, you you know, all right, I, I want Colgate toothpaste. And so I've been using the same kind of Colgate toothpaste for the last 35 years. So when I go into the grocery store, you know, I go into the personal hygiene section and I, I grab three or four, you know, or I grab, I, I grab a, a tube of toothpaste or maybe two or whatever. All right, that, that's, I know what I'm looking for. So when I see it online, I could order it as well. I, I understand for, like, the new stuff, you want to check things out. But if you know what you want... This is, and I don't know what the answer is going to be. I, I do think, just like newspapers could not figure out how to adapt to the internet, I think if you are in the grocery business, you've got to understand that this is coming and that this is going to pose a threat to your pre-existing business model. And I think some grocery stores are adapting. That's why you see more of the personal shoppers, more of the we're going to do deliveries, more of you can call in your order and you will have it ready for you. That's the way that they can adapt. And I think the truth is that's what you're going to have to do more and more in the future and figure out a way to, again, monetize it, You know, do this and still manage to make money. It's 1057. This is Jeff Wagner. we got a great hour coming up with the program, so stick around. 
1110, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. All right, Mike told you the story. It is the, the current breaking story. Um, Donald Trump, when he was running for office, was actually a, a regular guest on the show Morning Joe, which is on MSNBC. Um, and the, the hosts are Joe Scarborough, who is formerly a, a Republican congressman, and uh, Micah Brzezinski. Um, I, I, I confess, I don't watch Morning Joe. So I mean, I, I, have I seen it? Yes, but I, I really I don't watch it. But Trump Trump has been on there on there a lot. He decided to go after the hosts of Morning Joe today on on again a, a Twitter stream. Now this is MSNBC, of course, and MS, MSNBC is very they're one of the, the the Trump hater groups. And despite the fact that I think again at some point in time this was a this was a network that he he this was at least a show that he went on. Um, they have broken bad on him, and he has broken bad on them. So this is the leader of the free world. This is the president of the United States who takes to Twitter this morning to engage two hosts of a cable news-slash-commentary program on MSNBC. All right? We're not talking about Walter Cronkite here either. We're talking about Morning Joe on MSNBC. So here's what he tweets. This is the leader of the free world. I heard poorly rated at Morning Joe speaks badly of me. Don't watch anymore, the president tweeted. Um, I heard poorly rated Morning Joe speaks badly of me. Don't watch anymore. Then how come low IQ crazy Micah, that's the the female co-host, along with Psycho Joe, came to Mar-a-Lago three nights in a row around New Year's Eve and insisted on joining me. She was bleeding badly from a facelift. I said no. Um, apparently, this this was prompted by the, the story they were making fun of the president with regard to the news that I talked about this yesterday, that um, he took a... A fake Time magazine cover. There was like a, a picture of him, and like he was on the cover of Time magazine, and he. Just, it was a fake. It was kind of like I was telling the story yesterday about how I went to I went to Disney World one year, and I, you know, went to this booth, and they got a picture of me wearing a wig, holding a baseball bat, and on Pro Wrestling Illustrated. You know, okay. He apparently it's like the same thing. He has this mock up that makes him look like he was featured, and he has been featured on Time magazine, but he didn't put any of those pictures on the cover. It was this. Um, fake one. Um, The response of MSNBC is, it's a sad day for America when the president spends his time bullying, lying, and spewing petty personal attacks instead of doing his job. Uh, The network's head of PR wrote on Twitter that he never imagined a day when I would think to myself, it is beneath my dignity to respond to the president of the United States. First Lady Melania Trump's office defended the president's outburst in a statement. As the First Lady stated publicly, when her husband gets attacked, he will punch back ten times harder. Um, White House Deputy Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders additionally told Fox News, this is a president who fights fire with fire. Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, at the risk of, again, alienating people who... Don't get that I, I I want to support the president when I think he is right on policy matters, uh, but at the same time, I, I think I think it is this style that 
just turns a lot of people off. And in all honesty, I think it is beneath the dignity. I agree. I think it is beneath the dignity of the office of the President of the United States. I think it is wrong for the leader of the free world to engage in this fashion with a couple of hosts on a damn cable TV station. And, you know, um, I don't watch him anymore. Well, obviously he obviously he does. Uh, how come low IQ crazy Micah along with Psycho Joe came to Mar-a-Lago? She was bleeding badly from a facelift. I said no. What What is that all about? I mean, seriously, rather, regardless of how you feel about the president with regard to issues, um, and, and it's one thing to say, okay, we're going to use Twitter to get around the mainstream media and communicate directly with your supporters and communicate. But really, I mean, is this what we want to see from the leader of the free world? Let's start with Rob in Burlington. Rob, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my sure. call. Yeah, I think this is just extremely childish. I mean, you're the president of the United States. Yeah, you won. You're the leader of the free world. <laughs> yeah. And you can be magnanimous in that. You can you can be above all of it. But he has, and in my mind, a very fragile ego, so he always comes back and he has to fight everything. Well, it's a little sad because I want him to succeed, but if he keeps picking these fights, he won't. Well, right. Well, it, it is, it's just a complete and total distraction. And, I mean, look, I understand politics isn't beanbag, and I understand there's always going to be, you know, interactions, and you're going to have people going after each other. But but I, I think it is unprecedented to have the, the President of the United States that decides that he's in this sort of fashion, and that this, she had a facelift and was bleeding bad. I don't even know what that means. You know, this is, I mean, figure out health care. Figure out what we're going to do with North Korea. I don't care, you know, about these people going to Mar-a-Lago, for God's sake. <laughs> exactly, and that's that's the sad part about it, but hopefully he gets better. Uh, thanks, Nicole. Well, right, but the problem is every time he does this, this is, you have a heads up, this is a breaking story right now. This this is going to be the story all day today, you know, all day tomorrow, and it's going to be, now, I understand some people think that this is part of this master plan, you know, we're going to distract people from talking about, like, the health care thing. Well, well, no, I just think this makes the president look bad. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, 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 I want the president to succeed. I support him on a number of the policies he's come out with, but every time he does this, it makes me just cringe. What do you think? Should somebody take the darn Twitter phone away from him, uh, the phone away from him? It's 1116. We continue the conversation. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I love the lyric. They just don't write songs like that anymore. That's Luke Bryan at the uh, American Family Amphitheater at the Summerfest American Family Insurance. That's Country Girls, Shake It For Me, Shake It For Me. Uh, he's performing tonight. All right, if, if you haven't heard, big story today that is now knocking health care off the front burner. Uh, President Trump decides to take to Twitter to pick a fight, settle a score, you know, fill in the blank, with the hosts of Morning Joe. Morning Joe, it's Joe Scarborough and his partner, Micah Brzezinski. Mika, Mika, sorry, Mika Brzezinski, um, who have been, oh, they're on MSNBC. Scarborough is a former Republican congressman, and um, President Trump, when he was running for office, appeared there all the time. They've kind of broken bad on him. He's broken bad on them. Um, he sends out a, a tweet 
which says, I heard poorly rated Morning Joe speaks badly of me. I don't watch, don't watch anymore. Then how come low IQ crazy Micah, along with Psycho Joe, came to Mar-a-Lago, that's his place, three nights in a row around New Year's Eve and insisted on joining me? She was bleeding badly from a facelift. I said no. And then um, within minutes... Micah shot back with a photograph showing a text on the backside of a cereal, Cheerios cereal box made for little hands, a reference to the common refrain that President Trump has unusually small hands, which is, of course, that, that's an implied penis joke is what that is. And it's like, OK, but now you have the president of the United States engaging a, a couple of news slash commentary slash talk show hosts on MSNBC, for God's sake. 414-799-1620. Look, I, I want the president to succeed. I, I want to defend him on policies. But really? Really? Let's talk to, uh, let's see, John in Oconomowoc. John, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. I guess all I have to say is that uh, does anybody have enough good stuff to close down uh, President Trump's Twitter account or tell him to I don't know, Melania or somebody, because that's where he gets all the trouble. Evidently, he hasn't paid attention for years that whoever is in office is going to be ridiculed on Saturday Night Live. Sure. Johnny Carson, Jay Leno. Uh, right. Whoever and and, and you won. See, that's the thing. That's what comes with the fact that you won, and people are going to be critical of you. And I guess every time he does this, it just demonstrates how thin-skinned he is. And I'm thinking, my my goodness, fix health here, for God's sake. Why why take on you know a couple hosts that nobody knows about or cares about on MSNBC? You took my words right out of <laughs> my mouth. He's so thin-skinned. How did he get as far as he is being so thin-skinned? Nobody says no to him, evidently, like a lot of the... A lot of the famous people, nobody says no because they might lose their job, their position. Well, right. I, and I guess, I mean, I, I, I understand that he must think this strategy works. And, and maybe it works if you're, if you're the, the head of, you know, a, a, a privately held company. It doesn't play well for the general public. And, and for every Trump supporter that goes, oh, my gosh, this is the greatest thing. I love it. He's really given it to him. For a lot of people who are in the middle of the road, they hear this and they say, the president is sending out tweets talking about some woman who was bleeding from a facelift. And, and, and who knows? I, I don't even think that's true. But regardless, who cares? It's the president of the United States. Don't you have better things to do with your damn time? No kidding. Does he, if he doesn't watch these programs, who's feeding them the information about what they're saying? Well, right. They, I see. I don't. Well, I mean, Lori makes that. Thanks for the call. Lori makes the point in the text. Says um, so much for Melania's efforts against cyberbullying. I don't believe for a second that he doesn't watch. No, I don't believe that either. I mean, I my my guess is I think the president is, you know, almost weirdly tuned into all these different news shows. And it's one thing. I mean, I understand you want to keep up on current events and stuff like that and see the way stuff's being reported. But at the same time, I mean, to, to fly into these rages, uh, for goodness sakes, can't you just kind of give it up? Clint in Bayview. Clint, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Morning, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, I had a couple points. First of all, I think this is a proof money cannot buy class. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's an embarrassment each and every time it happens. It just kind of is a, a chipping away and a, a little bit more embarrassing um, that he's, you know, representing the office of the presidency of the United States of America this way. Right. And, and see, and to me, and I, I want people who are listening to us to understand, for me, this is a difference between what I'm calling style and substance. This isn't about policy. This is about... Really, you're going to choose to engage a couple MSNB talk MSNBC talk show hosts? Get over it, for God's sake! 
Right. And, and you know, the, the other point, you know, which is a concern for me is shortly before the election, I called into your show and it you know, looked like Hillary was going to win. And I said, you know what? If she wins, I'll definitely be disappointed. But I think her failed policies and her failed presidency will actually strengthen the GOP mm-hmm. and push moderates towards the GOP. But I think the little, you know, when these little things keep happening, oh. I think the concerning thing is, I don't want to get to a point where we look back and go, oh, it actually probably would have been better for the party had Hillary been elected. Because if he keeps doing these things, the moderates, I think, are just going to get turned off and possibly be pushed so far left that, you know, there, well, there could be some damaging, well, lasting damage. Well, well, right. Or, I mean, I mean, for, forget about Donald Trump. Let's talk about, you know, all the other office holders. I, I've just, I've been doing the show, so I'm not following this, but I've been kind of looking at some of these Twitter feeds that are out there. I mean, Paul Ryan, who's got his hands full with Lord knows how many issues, this is now the story. The media is running to every Republican office holder, and, you know, they're, okay, what do you think about the president's latest tweet? So, again, we're not talking about health care. We're not talking about North Korea. We're not talking about tax reform. We're talking about... Okay, do you think that this Micah had a facelift? And what do you think about the president saying this and bleeding badly? And what's that all about? And so now everybody is off message for the next two or three news cycles. Give me a break. Help these people out. They're trying to do their jobs. Absolutely. And, and you know, the, the other GOP leadership, you know, during the election, they said, don't worry, don't worry. We'll rein in the mouth of Donald Trump. You know, we're not going to rubber stamp and just support and, you know, sweep things under the rug. I, I think, you know, just kind of like the other callers, you can't have yes men and or yes women. And, uh, you know, GOP leadership, I think, needs to recognize when they need to approach the Donald and say, listen, right. uh, we can't support that. But he can't uh, help himself. I mean, that, that's the problem, you know, Clint. He, you know, it's just he is. He is what he is, for better or worse. He just is what he is. You're absolutely (laughs) right. So I guess we got to keep our fingers crossed. Uh, Right. No, thanks. I mean, I I just don't, I don't think it's, I have have an email from, this is Nathan, he texts, I have to keep reminding myself, this is coming from a man in his 70s. You know, that's actually, that's that's actually a a very good point, because the, the, the truth is, you know, I respond to, criticism i i process things differently at my age than i did when i was 25 which is probably different than i did when i was 15 it's kind of like this what i would call the, this maturing process um he's got a good point you got somebody in his 70s who is now again what what's the stuff with women you would have thought after the megan kelly thing that he would have lowered you know he, he sends the text about she's got blood coming out or wherever i mean it's just okay with Seriously, maybe when you're talking about women, you just stay away from that. What I don't even know what that means. Bleeding badly from a facelift. I don't even know what that means. Nobody else knows either, but it's the leader of the free world. Um, all right, we're going to switch gears in a couple minutes because, number one, my head is going to explode, and number two, it's that time of the week when we kind of lighten stuff up because Lord knows we've had a lot of heavy-duty stuff coming up. Um, it is the first week of Summerfest. Pop Culture Corner is right around the corner. I guarantee you we will probably revisit this tweet issue, but this is now going to be the dominant story today. And by the way, talk about free publicity. My guess is the ratings for Morning Joe are going to be through the roof tomorrow. So, I mean, honest to goodness, I mean, from their perspective, you're getting called out by the President of the United States. Just watch the numbers go up. 
Maybe the president will take me on. Huh? All right. It's 1128. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1136. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. This is the portion of the program where we, we kind of put aside the heavy lifting and we stop talking about the most significant issues of the day. And we try to have a little bit of fun on a Thursday mornings. Um, I call it Pop Culture Corner. Sometimes we, we talk about movies, sometimes books, sometimes television, sometimes food, sometimes cars, sometimes sports. Uh, it is the first day of Summerfest, and so I, I wanted to do something musically related. We also live stream this on Facebook Live. So if you go to facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ, we have turned the bright lights on. You can watch radio as it happens. All right, now you might say, okay, what's the topic today, Jeff, and, and why do we start off with the Harry Nielsen song, Put the Lime in the Coconut? Well, what happened is, uh, the other night, I was watching, it's a show on Showtime, which actually I, I want to like, and it's not a very good show. It's called I'm Dying Up Here, Hondo. It's, it's you know, you're, you're, a, you're a comic, you do comedians, comedy stuff. The movie, it, it's, a, it's a series, and it's set in the mid-1970s at a knockoff of the comedy store in L.A., and it features these different comics. I want to like it. It's awful. In my opinion, it's just, I, I've watched it. I keep thinking it's going to get better. It, it's not. It's just, it's awful. But that doesn't stop me from watching it because I want to like it. Um, and that's kind of like a lot of shows. You want to like them, and you keep thinking they're going to get better because I like the premise, but I don't think it's a very good show. But anyhow, there is a scene in that movie where in in that last week's tv show where it's actually one of the main characters who ends up um having a physical relationship with some groupie who likes to who likes to have the physical relationship to the tune of that song you know the coconut song by harry nielsen put the lime in the coconut i I said it's not a very good show it's weird but but okay ever since i saw that scene that song has been stuck in my head. I, I've had literally. I watched this Sunday night. I have had this is Thursday. I have had this earworm, this song, the coconut song that I cannot get out of my head. I, I, I was I was driving again up to West Bend last night, uh, and I'm, I find myself you know humming you know put the lime in you know that, that that stupid song. It's an earworm. I'm stuck with it. I cannot get it out of my head. And I'm afraid that, you know, the only way to get it out of my head is to find some other earworm, which is going to be a little bit more annoying. So I want you to help me out. I am sure I am not the only one who has ever found myself in this predicament. For Pop Culture Corner this week, we're going to talk about music. But but here's here is my question. Um, earworms, musical earworms. You know, it's that song that just gets stuck in your head head and won't go away all right what is your musical earworm again the song that you just once it gets stuck it's like oh my gosh i'm going to walk around with this song in my head for days and days and days 414-799-1620 that is the accurate mortgage talk and text line do you have a musical earworm and um what, what is it, and, and why, why do you think it is? 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As we always do in these segments, my, I encourage you to call early because our phone lines tend to jam up. Um, also, go with your first instinct. Sometimes people tend to overthink it. But, you know, it's that song that once you get it in your head, you cannot get it out. 
for whatever reasons. Um, we're going to take phone calls. You can also use our WTMJ talk and text line, and you can play along at home on our uh, Facebook Live. We are live streaming this as well. As well. Again, facebook.com uh, backslash 620 WTMJ. We will be back with your musical earworms. Um, help me get the, the coconut song out of my head. Um, it's Pop Culture Corner. It's 1140. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1143, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMG. Just tuning in, Pop Culture Corner this week. Um, it's it's musical earworms, the songs that you get in your head and you just can't get out. What is your musical earworm? I'm stuck with the uh, Coconut song. That's Hanson. Hanson, they're still around and they're playing tonight at Summerfest. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, Jeff. Coincidentally, a certain former gym of mine used to play that song, Oompa, by Hanson, <laughs> right. all the time. And it would be stuck in my head through long periods of time, and I'd have to play songs I like at home over and over again just to stomp out that earworm. Well, once you called, that was my producer's like little shout-out that we, we found that on our Hanson bumper. Okay, right, that, yeah, uh, that's Hanson. Okay, your, your earworm. Let's go to as many calls as I can. Pete in Milwaukee. Pete, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hello. Hey, when I was in the fraternity house, they hazed us by making us listen to We Built This City from Starship over oh. and over and over again. <laughs> right. So that's my Achilles heel. I can't stand that song to this day. Right. And once it gets in your head, you can't get it out, huh? It's stuck. Yeah. Uh, no, that see that that that's it. Um, gosh, we're, we're just we're getting kind of swamped on our Facebook page. Um, the Pina Colada song, which is by Rupert Holmes from the eighties. Somebody emailed, texts that in. Yeah, that's one. And and unfortunately, for some reason, on 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 Radio Margaritaville, which I listen to in the car a lot, they've they've been playing that. You know, if if you like Pina Coladas, if you like get caught in the rain, that 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 song. That one's been stuck in my head as well. 414-799-1620, That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, let's see. Um, Randy says the Macarena. Yeah, you get that one in there. That's uh, bad. Um, let's see. Um, my Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. Uh, yeah, Chris says, uh, Chris is the one that says the Pina Colada song, 414-799-1620. Uh, Chris in New Berlin. Chris, you're on 620 WTMJ. WTMJ. Good morning. Jeff, I have some advice for you. Yeah? Don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> oh, stop it, stop it, stop it. Don't worry, be happy. <laughs> oh, stop it, stop it, stop it. Oh, that's even you're worse. You're welcome. That, that, yeah, that thing, that's, that's, that don't worry, be happy. That's even worse. That's even worse than I put the lime in the coconut. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to uh, Tony in West Bend. Tony, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Anytime I've got done Disney, uh, the trap oh. is, it's a small world, and oh. the nature is to go on the pirate ride and do Yoho. At least that helps you erase it. Oh, yeah, that, that, you're right. Anytime you're walking around the Magic Kingdom, it's just that... That that the it's a small world thing, and by the end of it, you just want to strangle somebody. Even if you like the song going in, you want to strangle somebody by the time the trip is over. <laughs> no, so no, true. Yeah, no, thank. No, I I'm I'm with you. Okay, uh, let's see on our text line. Safety dance by Men Without Hats, and they will be at the State Fair taking my 11 year old nephew. He loves the 80s, so we're going to introduce that. Um, okay, the most here's another text. The most pernicious musical earworm. Oh, I hate to even share this with you, because he's right. The Oompa Loompa song from the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, the, the Oompa Loompa thing, that's, uh, 
That's one as well. Tina in Howard's Grove texts me, YMCA and Centerfold. Yeah, YMCA, definitely. You get that stuck in your head, and you're you're in trouble. Katie in Burlington. Katie, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am well, I think. What? Okay, what earworm are you going to replace the coconut song with for me? Now, I love this song, but I find myself singing the chorus, like not even meaning to, and that's Shambhala La by Three Dog Night. <laughs> and I'll just be walking around the house, and I'll sort of be making this howling sound, and my husband knows exactly what I'm singing. But I actually do love that song, but... Once it's in there, it's it's stuck. <laughs> right, you just you right you you just can't get it out for days and days and days. No, and I kind of like that. I mean, I've got I kind of like that song as well, but I probably wouldn't like it stuck in my head for a long or period of time. Where you find yourself inadvertently howling, and anyone who doesn't know the song sort of looks at you like, oh my god. <laughs> so it's a good summer song. So. No, well, that, that's always fun. Thanks to call. Okay, let's see, uh, Jeanette. Uh, on our Facebook Live says, the theme song to good times. <laughs> the theme song to good times. Yes, really, for a week now. <laughs> good times. Um, I don't even remember. I was I was originally going to think the Jeffersons. The Jefferson theme song is, I don't even know what the, the theme song to good times is, you know. Um, you know the, I, the Jeffersons is moving on up to the east side. Good times with the J.J. Walker one. Um, let's say, who let the dogs out? Hotel California, Cats in the Cradle. Yeah, Cats in the Cradle would be one as well. Ben in Cleveland. Ben, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Morning. Okay, earworms. The, the final countdown. Oh. Oh, yes. <laughs> I absolutely hate that chorus, but I do a lot of hunting, and when it gets down to that last golden hour, I can't get that out of my head. <laughs> It just just kind of like kind of stuck in there. No, and that that is the funny thing about the, these earworms that once we get in there. Um, okay, Gary, um, he sends us on our text line uh, on our on our, the uh, Facebook live. A pirate looks at forty. That's one of my all time favorite songs from uh, Jimmy Buffett. And yes, that one's um, that one's stuck in. Toby Keith here on Facebook live. Red Solo Cup. Um, yeah, there's uh, there's something to be said about that as well. Oh, Manfred Mann. Blinded by the light, the ultimate, that's been described as the ultimate earworm as well. Bob in Oconomowoc. Bob, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Yes, I used to drive my boss nuts at work by walking around humming the theme to the Pink Panther. That da-dun, <laughs> yeah, no. da-dun, 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 and it would drive her nuts for days. No, I... Bob, I, I knew what that theme was. I was hoping that you weren't going to do it because now that's going to be stuck in my mind as well. It's one of the best ones to plant in somebody's gear if you just want to make their day. Well, um, on, on behalf of all of us who are listening, thanks for planting that in our ear there. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, the, the Pink Panther song as well. Um, yes, okay, why? Here we go. Going back to our text line, why can't we be friends? Uh, yeah, that's another one that's there. Um, blind, another person says, blinded by the lights. Let it go from Frozen. Yeah, if you're into show tunes, that would definitely be one. Mitch, his earworm is the Sesame Street theme song. Oh, oh, I almost hesitate to say that because that's that's one. Uh, yeah, that Sesame Street one. Once once that gets in your head, you're you're in a lot of uh, you're in a lot of trouble. Um, all right, uh, let's see. Let's go to Steve and Nina. Steve, you're on six twenty BTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. I got it stuck in my head just by saying it, the uh, theme song from the Edmund Fitzgerald. 
Oh, like the wreck of the Gordon, the Gordon Lightfoot song. There, that's the, the one. You know, right. boy, on and on, days and days on end. I just can't get it out of my head. Uh, yeah, that would be. No, thanks for that's that would that would be another one that kind of latches in there. I would actually, I would prefer that one. Um, I would prefer that one to the coconut song. <laughs> no doubt about it. Chris in Oshkosh. Chris, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Hey, mine is. Uh the theme song for Mr. Ed. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. Thank you. Now it's stuck there. <laughs> thanks. For, yeah, and, and no one can talk to a horse, of course, unless, of course, it, it, unless, of course, something the horse is the famous Mr. Ed. Yeah, that's what, yeah, I'm, I'm not proud I know that one either off the top of my head. I can do I can do all the verses to the Gilligan's Island song, too. I won't do them for you, but I can, you know, it's, um, I, I, I'm, again, not proud of this. But I can do it. Uh, D and Racine. D, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi. Hi, D. Hi. Um, Yellow Submarine. Oh, <laughs> by the Beatles. That one gets stuck in my head quite frequently. Uh, yeah, you know, I went to, uh, last time I was, second last time I was in Las Vegas, I went to the Cirque du Soleil thing, the, the Beatles, the love song. So, and mm-hmm. there were a couple tunes, but you're right. Yellow Submarine, that's one that once it's in there, it ain't coming out for at least for a while. For sure. For sure. Thank <laughs> no, thanks for the call. No, there's no doubt about it. Tom in Greenfield. Tom, you're at 620 BTMJ. Good morning. Yeah, morning, uh, Jeff. Uh, good vibrations from the Beach Boys for a summer song type of thing. Yep. And uh, another one bites the dust when you go to somebody's wedding or, 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 or something else. <laughs> another one bites. Yeah, no, another, another one. Um, uh, another one bites the dust. That's another one of those earworms that's out there. Um, thanks for playing. I just, I, I was actually, I was trying to think of a when I, when I was putting together the show earlier this week. I was again trying to. You know, trying to think of, okay, I want to do a musical theme song, but, you know, we've talked about, like, the best concerts or the best summer songs and all. Um, I was just I was just trying to think, you know, of one. Oh, here's an earworm. Um, like Dave and Franklin says, Patrick Swayze singing Henry VIII in the movie Ghost. Well, let, let's go back to the original, the Hermit's Hermits, doing I'm Henry VIII, I am, I am. I got married to the widow next door. She's been married seven times before. Yes. And everyone was a Henry. Yeah, that one sticks in my mind as well. Okay, um, let's see. Oh, the Mighty Mouse theme song, It's a Small World Again. It's the song that never ends. Yeah, there are all sorts of ones out there. So um, now I'm going to have to figure out this afternoon, okay, what? how am I going to get the coconut song out of my head? And you've at least given me some suggestions. Um, we continue the conversation on our Facebook Live page. We've been live streaming, so you can check that out. But if you want to, again, watch the segment or continue to participate, that's what it's there for. Um, speaking of earworms, walk around the Summerfest grounds. I guarantee that you're going to hear at least a couple songs that might get stuck in your head.